0: turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Elise Tran for Female Startup Club. Hi, welcome back to the show. If you're new here, I'm Dune, your host and hype girl in business. Every week, we learn from seven, eight, and nine figure female founders to understand their blueprint in business when it comes to money, marketing, and mistakes. Women like Elise Tran, the co-founder of The Daily Edited, and more recently, In The Roundhouse. In this episode, we're talking through Elise's approach to combining work and entrepreneur life and how she was building The Daily Edited versus her current business in The Roundhouse. And just quickly while I've got you here, you might have noticed already that I've been talking more and more about our newsletter, and that's because we've been crafting it to be an absolute go-to resource that delivers you weekly insights, resources, and extra content to keep you in the loop on all things women in business, like industry news that you should know about, quick lessons and strategies that you can use today up-to-date grants and special opportunities that we're offering just to our newsletter subscribers, aka more features and spotlights on you. It's totally free to sign up. Go to femalestartupclub.com and I would love to see you there. Let's jump into today's episode. This is Elise for Female Startup Club.
2: Let's get this dinner party started. Wow!
1: Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness.
0: Hi, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Gosh, I feel like this has been a long time coming. I have this memory of maybe like when I very, very, very first started Female Startup Club, I'd sent you like some questions on email or something like way back in the day. And yeah. ever since then, I've been like, she's got to come on the show. And now here we are three years later.
1: No, oh, great. <laughs> no, thanks for having me. How's your day going? Some days I think are going to be quite easy. And then all of a sudden, you know, they become really jam-packed. So I know you introduced me as um, one of the founders of In The Roundhouse, but I actually, and this is very interesting, also have a part-time job working for someone else. And I think this will unfold in our conversation, but I work three days a week for another business called Reward RewardStar. It's now called LTK. And there's a reason why I do that. And you know you can you know feel free to ask me about it but um I will let's start there yeah so I think if we, I would now describe myself as the ultimate slashy in a sense that I think I have a very I've created a very non-traditional career path for myself and you just said you moved back to Sydney and you have seen like obviously Sydney is great but to be able to see that pot of dolphins from your house one day, you kind of need to have like a bit, either a very, very successful business or, you know, have some way of like being able to purchase that house where you can see the dolphins from in like 10 years time. Oh my God. No, I was on the beach. It wasn't from my house. <laughs> but I want it to be from my house, right? right and this yes, is why I work <laughs> like three different, three or four different jobs because, you know, like I'm just like kind of going for it. But essentially, um, so I work three days a week for LTK because I quite like it. You know, I work with a lot of different brands on their influencer strategies. Like it's an area of um, marketing that I find very interesting. Like I love influencer marketing and I built my first business, The Daily Edited, really through working with content creators, right? And being a content creator myself. So I'm very interested in that space. So as a result, even though you know, it's work for um, in another business. It's in a very enjoyable um, stream of topics that I like. But obviously, you know, like there's still all the, the contact time, meetings, um, drafting documents, things like that, right? So obviously, there's still that. But it gives me the three days a week gives me enough flexibility to work on other things. So for example, the business in the roundhouse, is a really good business, but it's got a very experienced team in it. So a lot of the team members that I worked with at The Daily Edited work at In The Roundhouse now, they found their way back to me eventually. And so I've got a very good team. And so as a result, I there's not enough in that business for me to work a 40-hour week unless I was doing like very manual, functional things that I can easily get someone else to do. So in that business, I really I'm only doing content and marketing strategy, product planning, things like that. But then obviously things like, you know, the boring side of the business, like accounting, um, freight operations, all run by different team members. So there's not enough in there. Like I'm not I can't be shooting 38 hours a week feeding around. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> so there's that. And then I also do um, a bit like consulting to a, a few. Um, different, larger businesses. Um, and so and I, I always, I, I mean, I find that quite interesting. I always like feel quite chuffed when someone reaches out to me and I'm like, oh, you already know what you're doing. And they're like, oh no, you know, like, no, we, you know, would like your would like your opinion. And I'm always quite um, interested in that. And I'm also like looking at working on new businesses as well, because obviously I, I love consumer goods. I don't think it's going to end within the roundhouse. Like, you know, that is an interesting business um but like I have a lot more to give in other consumer goods categories so yeah anyway so as a result I think I'm a very interesting working professional because I you know I started my career as a lawyer so you know here we are doing all of these things um you know keeping
0: it exciting keeping it fresh
1: (laughs) to try to make ends meet
0: I love that for you, and I love. I'm so big on lifestyle design, like figuring out like what works for you, and then making it work in your favor. And it sounds like for you specifically, having this like three days a week working on these really exciting large scale campaigns, I'm assuming, and then having this creative outlet where you're able to do all the things you love, but delegate all the things you don't love.
1: Yeah, and you spoke to me briefly about before, like who listens to this, right? And one of the things is is I not having all of my eggs in one basket with that business in the roundhouse means that there's less pressure on it. So, you know, I'll get on a call with our um, digital marketing manager and she'll be like, you know, well, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, I set quite high targets like, we're not, you know, gap to goal is still, you know, 20% or whatever. And if I had everything in that business, I would feel quite upset. And there's a lot of things happening in the market and especially in a product category, like in the roundhouse where you can't control you know, there's only so much you can control in terms of growth, growth profile and stuff like that. So it it does help. I feel like people get stressed when they're running a small business because they're relying on it for their income. And I think it is really hard in this economic environment on businesses where you are creating a product that's a discretionary purchase, not like an essential. I think obviously, we all know that, you don't. Know, I don't need to be sitting here and talking about interest rates. and, <laughs> and so, <laughs> We know what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> that's obviously not my area of expertise, but obviously that's going to impact um, people that have these styles of businesses. And then you've got to work out, well, how does that, you know, how am I going to make my life work? Right. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think what's also interesting is like, I always say to people, don't quit your day job. Like give yourself the freedom to build this business where you can invest your own money and you can take that pressure off where you have to kind of make things back and you're making the decisions based on like out of like sometimes desperation instead of basing it on what's best for the business and how the business will grow kind of organically over time. Exactly. And so if someone's kind of like, when should I leave my job? It's like well, Yeah,
1: I didn't leave my um job, you know, for the Daily Edited, the first business, until it was quite scaled. Like people were uh, quite shocked by that because that was my first thing that I ever did in this space. Like, you know, I didn't know whether, A, it was going to end and whether, you know, what side and what potential it had. It was just too, it was hard to tell at the time. Um, I don't know. But I'm very conservative in my approach like that, right? how big was the business, you know, monthly rev or annual rev? The business had like eight employees before I even left. What? Oh my God. How many years in was that? Like a year into it. Like it was, that one was very quick. So this is the thing, you know, I think the daily editor grew really quickly in like a five year period. So like call it 2000 and I left my job as a lawyer and show my age in 2015. And then between 2015 and 2020, that business really exploded, right? In the Roundhouse has been a a different, like a slower growth profile. It's totally a different category, very niche. So, you know, just not that kind of explosive um, growth I had with that first business. So, you know, and as a result, like, you know, I don't know, it's really great when you kind of it's not like one or the other is better actually financially um, as well. So it's just how much work it takes. And I think having, it's, for me, it's like dealing with the contrast. Like I'm actually still dealing with how to run a business that has a more niche clientele. That you know, Seriously, I, I'm actually still kind of like, oh, how do I think, how do I deal with that? So like I can just put this product everywhere. Um, it, it is a certain stage in life that you would buy this product It's a certain care factor for home and interior, and then a certain aesthetic as well. So it's like very niche. (laughs) Yeah.
0: How did you land on this? As like, what was the light bulb moment for you
1: to start this business? Oh, yes, I know. Sorry, because we just went around in circles, (laughs) but I love that. (laughs) Sure. Um, But basically, um in the Roundhouse actually was born out of something that happened at the Daily Edited. So my friend, so the co-founder of In the Roundhouse is Brooke Bickmore. We've been friends for since we were in like year seven. Um, oh my god, I we love that we met at school. Yeah. Cute. And Brooke had a big career in magazines. So she was um an editorial coordinator at like L magazine, and went to Jones at you know the David Jones magazine, various things. So we've been friends and sort of in the same industry for a number of years. And when she came back from London, like you, um, she wanted like something fun and stuff for her, you know, the house that she like moved back into. And she was talking to me about it and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Like I'm extremely busy with the daily. I don't know why you would even ask me to do this. It's just crazy. Um, <laughs> and then I I started doing a lot of brand activations, you know, the classic things like dinners with influencers, lunches with influencers at the daily. I did find it quite hard to fine unique product to set the table with like because you'd want to go on but and then I was like oh you know maybe there's something here I'm happy to you know I'm happy to do this with you so that is where In the Roundhouse started like I do feel there is a niche and obviously the business has gotten this far because obviously am are feeling some sort of niche to be here to talk to you about it but it is a niche. Whereas the Daily Institute had such broad appeal, like, you know, I could sell that product to anyone. Like I could walk into Bondi Junction and speak to a man about a wallet and a phone case um, or an older lady about um, a tote bag and a a child about a little mini school. But, God, like that product was super broad, right? So if I were to – I think about it, if I were to walk into Bondi Junction now – I say Bondi Junction for those who don't listen, it's just like my local shopping centre. Like if I had to drive and park and go to like a centre, that would be where I go. Um, I don't know who I would approach to be like, buy my things, you know?
0: Yeah. That's so interesting. Do you think when you think about like the journey with The Daily Edited and being so broad, but kind of like not having too much, like it sounds like that was just the way that it was. It was super broad. And then you've launched this new business where... There
1: was no intention behind it. A exactly. lot of it comes from, okay, when you think about it, what I say to people is, uh, so many people email me with like queries and things like that. And I'm like, that that's great. But, you know, each journey is really different. I don't like to give advice to anyone really, unless it's on something specific. So I do, and that even then won't be advice. It'll be my opinion. Like even at LTK, I go, this is a strategy that I think will work really well. Um, Most of the time people are like, yes, I think that will work really well or it's open to discussion, right? So I work collaboratively with people and I don't think people realise that in order to help someone, you sort of have to put in that kind of time to understand um, that person's business, what their challenges are and then address the issue that you may have expertise in, right? And you're never going to have expertise across all things. So when people just ask me blanket questions about business, I do find it very difficult and I say, you know, is there a specific question you can ask me? So one of the things that people ask me are like, "What do you think of my idea?"?" Right? And you're just like, "Oh no. I never would pass judgment on a single idea that anyone would you know kindly ask my opinion on. My only thing is, I say is that you must really like it because in order to pedal it and sell it is essentially what you're doing in any format. you have to really believe and like it, because otherwise it becomes really hard to do. So I always really loved everything that I created at The Daily Edited. I loved every single product, you know, and, it, and I like to use it. And so in talking to people about it, it was very, it was it, it was authentic, you know what I mean? Like I never um, tried to like push something and even with LTK, the reason why I work for them is I, you know, used to be a client and I believe in the product and I think, you know, it works for brands. And so therefore I'm happy to put myself out there and tell other people that it is a good piece of technology to use. Now, and same within the roundhouse, like, you know, I like the products. Like, I do think it's very fun to be able to have toast on a plate that is more interesting than white. It just like, you know, I'm a visual person. That's not for everyone. Some people will be like, that is a really ludicrous and unimportant thing. But, you know, I get up in the morning, I have a stand-up breakfast, as I call it, like every morning, and then, you know, I read the paper and I like it to look nice and so you know I believe in that so if when I w- if I were to meet you know I'll say to you now like well tell me what place you want I'd love to send them to you or you know let me know what colors you like i will love to put that together I already but, have them I already have it all <laughs> exactly but I enjoy that so I think part of like people and businesses, like, it's not necessary, as you say, like, finding a niche or having some weird strategy behind that. That'll probably come and that maybe there will be a U-curve where it comes for me for In the Red House but it actually hasn't yet, I don't feel, um, where, yeah, you've just got to love it. <laughs> yeah,
0: It's very interesting, I think, yeah, having a business that kind of, like, has that almost cult-following moment where it just, like, explodes, everyone's wearing it, you can target any audience, and then building something which is maybe... A bit slower to get started and it's a different blueprint in your opinion you know i know that you said at the beginning of this recording this isn't just the end of the brand for you in terms of you're going to do other brands and other businesses and things like that in your opinion which would you go for if you had to choose like trying to find like something really broad or something really niche
1: oh god it just depends on the lifestyle right like okay so you know the privilege of being across different industries is meeting different people and I have to say, people want different things. In this vertical of um, lifestyle products, let's call it, homewares, um, I think the businesses are quite smaller than on the fashion and beauty side, but the people are much more relaxed. They are running smaller businesses. Their teams are invariably smaller. Like if you look at the team side, let's say at iconic brands in this space, like let, um, age Right? It's a really big business in fashion. Like it's a really big team, heavy retail, lots of headcount in retail, lots of headcount at head office. Running that is a completely different exercise to say running Dinosaur Designs, which is also an iconic brand in the home where's, you know, the decoration, home decoration space. that They'd call it art. I don't want anyone from Dinosaur Designs listening to this art. Okay. Um, as a, that is an invariably a much smaller business than age. Right. And it's a lifestyle choice. When you look at, um, uh, you know, people get stressed over different things. I hear a lot of things again. Okay. So people will come to me with initial ideas or HR issues that they're having with staff and things like that. And I think the bigger the business, the more issues you have. Like, obviously, right. It goes without saying, neither is right, you know, or wrong. It just is like, what, where are you at in life? What do you want to do with your time? And, what will give you fulfillment? Because so many people in the homeware space are so lovely. They're so creative. They're so interesting. They're so chill. (laughs) And I don't know if you would necessarily say that on on the other side of the other spectrum of consumer goods. Yeah.
0: That's so interesting.
2: Hold up.
0: I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the money piece. It's something we always talk about on the show. Specifically, what did it cost for you to get started within the roundhouse? When you think about your first inventory, getting you know, your website up and running, how did it start?
1: Maybe like under $100,000. Like The thing is, is to start businesses that don't cost a lot of money these days. Um, you know, the, That's the thing. There's no barrier to entry. I don't believe in any vertical. Whether that be beauty, fashion, lifestyle goods in the consumer space, I could say it is, uh, I think the only things that have higher barrier to entry, if you want to make like ele- electronics or, um, you know, medical products and, you know, actual things that have, have, a, have a utility.
0: <laughs> yes, 100%. So $100,000, that gets you to launch. And then how are you specifically launching that brand like in the beginning? How are you kind of getting the word out there and spreading the good word?
1: It's through social, right? For me, it's like creating the content, um, working with other content creators to get the word out, really. And it's not been like this super fast trajectory because actually the business had grown organically until last year. Last year was the first year we did ad spend. And that's, you know, that was a conscious decision by me. You know, I could have launched with Brooke another business having the experience that I had and gone, well, no, we're going to spend a million dollars launching it and doing this. But I think off the back of the Daily today, I'll be very honest and I've said to people before, I don't really know what I want to do yet. So this is, you know, like I didn't know where I'm like, am I just going to like put it all into homewares? I don't know. I still can, right? The thing is, is you can start like that and then go, well, actually now I'm going to put a million dollars into it and I'm going to open three stores. I'm going to um, do a heavy marketing strategy with a household name you know, like I could do a collaboration. I mean, Donna Hay has like a homewares brand already, but like someone like that, and really like get this out there. Like these are things that I could still do today. So I think it's interesting. I don't know. I again, because I'm quite conservative. I think I, you know, I, I mean, yeah, if I had my time again, I'd probably still start it small, even if I had more direction. But at the time, like, and I think this is the thing. You know, I I wasn't sure. Like I I'm you know I don't really. Again, I think I come across as someone who. Has a real assertiveness around what they're doing, and obviously, day by day, I do, but bigger picture, I think you know, I'm still kind of figuring that out, aren't we all?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it changes all the time, the goalposts change all
1: the time, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, I kind of want people to feel like more comfortable by that. I think it makes me feel uncomfortable, so yeah. So, in the daily editor, it was like, you know, run that business to eventuate an exit. That's one that was for Whereas like I'm like, I don't know now, <laughs> you know what I'm what I'm doing. Yeah,
0: like yeah. you could do this for ten years. It could say a side hustle or well not a side hustle, but you know what I mean. Yeah.
1: I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's got more like
1: open ended outcome kind of thing. Yes. I think it sort of de- develops, I don't know. And then I speak to other people who have just started business and like, oh, they've got a very clear idea around, you know, what their strategy is, who they will get to invest, who they will sell the business to and you know like the steps are being put in place
0: so yeah yeah for you when you're thinking about like what shifts the needle in terms of growth obviously you have the organic content piece and you have these you know you do content so well but when it comes to things like you did a pop up over the kind of festive holiday period at Bondi Junction which is which is the Westfield here in Sydney or one of Retail feels like a really important piece for you, and and pop ups and real life things feels important.
1: I love retail again. It's because, yeah, again, it's like what you like. If you don't like doing it, then don't do it. I love retail. Like I go to the shops on the weekend as recreation, right? So, you know, that to me is part of like a brand ecosystem. Um, so, you know, I and I do think you know, uh, the times are changing. I was speaking to someone yesterday who was quite interesting, quite senior in the retail space and it has changed a lot how people shop and I just think you need to show up wherever they are in order to get in front of them and so I think, you know, one of those places, it's not to say that like Bondi Junction is dead, it's just different to what it was pre-COVID. So yeah, it is is interesting. Like I think if you were to listen to one of my podcasts when I was running the Daily Edited, that was pre-COVID stuff, right? Like, and I was like very clear around a retail strategy. You know, like you you work with this department store, you open stores here and that Like, this will happen. I definitely think that has changed, um, and I'm. I think a lot of people still aren't sure what what the correct or what a formula is that you could roll out to have successful retail. Because I do think there's a when people go shopping, it's very it's very high intent because people aren't like getting out of their pyjama, like their active wear that they're doing their call-in that I was in before getting in the car for no reason. So it's super high intent. Dwell time I think is lower. So it's like, how do you kind of deal with some of these new factors and changes in behavior that are sort of being displayed by consumers at a broad level and apply that to your business?
0: Mm. I feel like for me, if I look at my consumer behavior, I just still love the retail piece. I love going into a store. I love seeing something, feeling something, and then buying it like in person as opposed to online. I still do buy so much stuff online, but I like both.
1: Mm. So what's, the thing is, is I, I think people are browsing a lot. I mean, to a degree, but then dwell time is down. That is what the data is actually showing. Like people are spending, like the amount of time in the malls sometimes is lower than what it was pre-COVID. But then a lot of execution, because people are so happy to buy online now, they'll execute the purchase online. And so, for example, on the weekend at Mecca, completely, <laughs> I've never been like offered to purchase something online. Like they would normally try, like the girls working there would normally, to me, if I wanted something and they didn't have it, they would sell me something else, like an equivalent. But then they were like, just, just go online. It's free delivery. And I'm like, okay, interesting. You know, so even in, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, that might have been one instance. And I'm like going, oh, that's make new strategy. No, I'm not saying that. But I do think, you know, that was an acceptable answer to me. I didn't think that was silly,
0: you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely what is your approach being like such a creative person and so involved in the design of of the brand and the look and feel of the brand? How do you approach product development and design for new pieces? Like, is it just like your creative brain being like, this is it? Or are you using data to influence?
1: Oh my God, it's like just all these, like, I keep doing things and then, um, it is a little bit data-driven now. I've learned my lesson, you know, I've learned some lessons. So I will create tons of product, like once every couple of weeks, uh, there'll be all these new things, but things that then go into production are based on data. It's like, dude, that colour combination does not sell. Or, um, you know, we've got too, we're holding too much inventory within that category. Like even though this is cute, you might have to park it for later, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I I think, you know, invent all the things and then kind of cull back based on data is is how I operate. Do
0: you also do, like, is your brand community driven? Like, would you do like, hey, here's the potential pre-order, like, or what do you think, or vote, don't do any of that? I don't like
1: doing that. I'm so not into that. I'm so not into that. Mainly because I feel like as a creator, I'm here to guide the consumer around what I think is cool and what I think is on trend and present that to them. I don't think that that is a, I don't, I don't know what, I can't think, what brands do you think work collaboratively with their customers to develop products?
0: So there's like beauty brands like Volition Beauty that actually work with customers and influencers and things like that to develop product. And then it's kind of voted upon, but that's different.
1: Sure. That's different. That's like a collaboration with an influencer. That's
0: different. But I'm trying to think, I feel like I spoke with someone recently who did very like kind of like this or this and like customer votes and then that one goes into production kind of thing. Not necessarily votes, but just like putting things out there to get the reaction.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a get a poll. We do a survey around everything from service to pricing and stuff like that. I think that's always like good, especially when, okay, The re- so I did a survey recently where you got $50 to fill out our survey. So we're like, you know, like fill it out with some level of you know, as a goodwill thing, please fill it out properly. (laughs) Don't give us spam answers around, um, you know, where people thought we sat in the market, um, what other products they were buying, what they'd like to see from us in terms of product lines. And the reason why I did that, do you know why, is because we don't have a set network of physical stores, I'm not getting to speak to customers that much. So at the Daily Editor, I would always spend time in stores, at least like a day a week. You know, across spread across, and so I interacted with customers a lot, and I don't have that um, now. So we had to do something. So yeah, I would probably work collaboratively with customers in you know in that way, but I think it happens more organically. I would never go like just yes or no th- these things. It would it would maybe like getting a sense check from team members who are speaking to customers at a national or international level. Um, you know, for us, it would be getting feedback from buyers at, you know, David Jones, Saks, things like that, and going, you know, because that that's sort of our first, we, we have wholesale in this business, like wholesale is totally new to me, right? <laughs> and so that's like a whole different thing. Um, and then, you know, I, I do, if I go into David Jones, I'm like quite creepy, like I'll tidy all of the in the roundhouse displays and stuff. And then if customers are looking, I'll be like, hey, like have you heard of this brand before and they're like who are you like why are you talking to me um and you know generally I then introduce myself and people are like really excited by that and then they give me their two cents so but I don't have that a lot a lot of that at the moment with this brand so
0: yeah yeah and I do think it is important to have that really direct touch point with your customers to really understand what they're thinking how they're feeling what they love what they don't love At the start of this episode, we were talking a little bit about your job with Reward Style, which is now known as LTK. Mm, Yeah, LTK.
1: Yeah, LTK, yeah.
0: I remember it very much as Reward Style. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of want to circle back to that to understand, like, what are the kinds of campaigns you're working with them on that are kind of working in the market right now? Like, what's the kind of stuff that's... Yeah, oh, my God, I love this question. (laughs) What's happening
1: there? (laughs) Um, So with LTK, right, just to take it back a step, for those who don't know what it is but essentially there's sort of three key aspects to it Influencers who are approved by real live girls girls working in double bay let's say um are able to get access to an app or a desktop widget that enables them to make a commissionable link to over ten thousand retailers right and that can be anyone from dior bottega matches iconic in the roundhouse what have you across beauty fashion lifestyle so you get the app and i know you've been on it before um, and so then you can create these links that you can put into your Instagram stories or create a whole storefront that you can put into your bio or what have you. So that's sort of like the baseline of what the business offers. Then, you know, obviously a brand, you know, signs to the platform, let's say in the roundhouse comes along, we would really love to be on the platform, we integrate, and then it's like, okay, cool, I might have some influencers who um, already have my product who are actively using LTK, so they start being able to earn commission off, when they set a table using, you know, a commissionable link to tell their audience to shop the plates here or whatever. So then their audience member clicks on the link, makes a purchase and they'll get the kickback. The thing that we also do though, if only life were as simple as just plugging into a platform and growing your sales through influencer, right? you are still got to like engage with um, influencers on some level, whether that be at a minimum gifting them product and at a maximum paying them for content and then at another maximum collaborating with them on like, the product line or something. So at LTK, we've seen like a lot of different things work differently for different brands. So we do like all of the influencer work for the iconic from gifting through to brand activations, right? And I think when you work, you need to work in a holistic way, I think is the main point. I think Choosing to do one thing or the other and expecting results in this ecosystem of influencer marketing is really hard. Like you, you kind of need a player to play at it all. It'd be like kind of turning on, I guess, like what people would understand. Let's say Meta ads and only running them on one segment. You know, like you, you want to do create the full funnel for your influencer marketing Multiple from awareness points, through to conversion. So, so you know, letting there. letting someone like us build out that funnel for you. We've seen success though, yeah, okay, that sounds really daunting for smaller businesses. Like we've seen success on things like uh, rates for influencers are really high in Australia, like the fixed fee rates, and that's got nothing to do with LTK. That is a symptom of the market. Um, and, you know, being savvy, like we can help brands be savvy with how to engage with influencers, whether that be paying them for stories-only content or paying them for TikTok content where they haven't yet grown a large audience but, you know, still have, a lot of their trusted audience uh, have started, you know, or their super fans start following them on new platforms, right? If you really love someone on Instagram and they start TikTok, you're likely to follow them and you're one of the super fans anyway. So you're you're kind of like filtering out those who didn't care that much anyway. So, you know, we work, like I work in this space with my team a lot. So I think people underestimate how, how specific this knowledge is, you know, of, of the space so, yeah, so we've seen any, you know, for me, I guess, yeah, in a nutshell, full funnel sort of approach and also, you know, being savvy where you speaking to someone where you have a limited budget rather than being like, I'm just going to try to do it, you know, if, you know not, if you're not sitting on these channels all the time, interacting with these people all the time, it is hard to um, execute. Like I think a lot of people listening to this wouldn't execute their own meta-ads or Google AdWords. Like you go to an agency or you bring somebody in-house to do that because they are doing it day in and day out. They know how to optimize your ads. They know how to create those audience sets. They know, you know, A, B testing of keywords. Like, who's actually, like, I don't know. (laughs) Who is a founder of a business who also does that? Maybe there is. Sorry, someone's going to, like, DM me and be like, I know how to do all of that. Um,
0: (laughs) I definitely don't.
1: (laughs) I would work with someone else. You certainly know how to, right? But you still work with someone else. And it's so, it's the same with this influencer stuff.
0: And it's also about <laughs> yeah. like, you know, if you work with an expert, they're able to like see the problem that's about to happen and quickly fix it or tweak it. Whereas you have to go through a learning curve and then you only learn in hindsight after you've made the mistake.
1: Exactly. And I and I think this game, the influencer in marketing space changes like year on year. It's It's faster, faster movement. Like it is really hard. And for me, you know, managing a team in this space where the industry is constantly changing is actually quite hard. It's m- much faster movement than um, like Google AdWords have not changed that much fundamentally for five years, right? Whereas influencer marketing, I think you were everyone here would was, changed. Like there was not, TikTok was not a thing five, five years ago, you know, or whatever. It's yeah. shifting daily. Yeah, exactly.
0: Absolutely. Before we get into our last kind of six final questions, the six quick questions part of the episode, and I know you said you don't like to leave kind of broad advice where it's not specific, but if you did have to leave kind of with a lesson or a piece of advice to share broadly with our audience, what would that be?
1: Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Like, look at me. I'm just out there trying, even though I've I'm very experienced and, you know, some would consider me a re- like an e-commerce and retail expert every day, you know, like I'm putting myself or the brand out there and we're ready to roll with it and, you know, whatever the outcome may be, whether that be success. I don't believe in anything being a failure because you've obviously learned something out of it, you know. It's fine. So, you know, be prepared to make those mistakes and just go out there
0: go out there and try. I love that. Yeah, Great piece of advice. Great lesson for us. Thank you so much. Okay. At the end of every episode, we ask a series of six quick questions, some of which we might have covered, some of which we might not have, but we ask them all the same. Question number one, what's your why? Why are you dedicating your time in building in the roundhouse?
1: Because I love it. I love, I love how fun it is and how easy it is to bring joy to a table and to the act of eating, uh, you know, either a simple or very fancy meal. I just love even just opening my drawer, my cupboard and seeing all the colour. And I'm like, how did I live without this before? <laughs> <laughs> I can't, you know. I love that. I had a nice set of white wedgewood crockery, you know, like it was lovely. It is lovely. But like now it's just the latest color trends and the latest, you know, translation of what I think is fashionable into a plate. I mean, I love it. hundred percent.
0: Love that. Love color. Love joy on a table. For (laughs) sure. Who doesn't? (laughs) Question number two is what's been your favorite marketing moment so far? And this could be from The Daily Edited or in The Roundhouse.
1: Yeah. Oh, we did something really fun with Milk Run for um, Mother's Day in the roundhouse. So, like, you know, I always love – one of my things is, like, the last mile for delivery and I always, like, I'm in awe of these, like, fast delivery services. I'm like, if only I could have guys on bikes driving plates around. Like, obviously that for me is not feasible, but why why can't it be? I I often ask myself a question, but why can't it be if Milk Run are doing it? Um, So – we did like a last minute Mother's Day thing that you could buy. You know, the interface is quite good. Like you click and buy it and it had, you know, um, egg cups, a platter, and then the things that you would make your mum breakfast with. And that was cute. It's just a very easy one. It doesn't, you know, not, they're not always having to be um, giant, giant things. Like we've done giant things within the roundhouse with, you know, out some people we collaborate with and things like that. And that's all good. But sometimes just like little ones are like easy to get off the ground and cute. So Yeah, I love yeah. that. That sounds so sweet.
0: Fun. And I also love having fun in business, like doing the things that bring you actually joy in those kind of moments, especially in marketing. That's where you can have fun and do the more grassroots kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Question number three is what's your go-to business resource if you have to think about a newsletter that you're reading at the moment or a book that you're reading?
1: Oh, newsletter or books. I Actually, a more podcast. Oh, a podcast, <laughs> yes, or a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I like to keep myself up to date, right? So it's not like I'm looking for instruction for someone, but from someone, but I'm generally wanting to ensure that I have the latest in knowledge of the industry. So, you know, I like to listen to like glossy and business of fashion podcasts, even if it's someone who has a completely different business to me, they, everyone's got a little point of view. And so, you know, you take, you always take away one thing like that. I don't have, I don't look at anything that's extremely instructional. It's more. Inspo. Yeah, yep.
0: love it. Me too. <laughs> Question number four is: How do you win the day? What are your AM or PM rituals and habits that keep you feeling happy and motivated?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I do say to um, young team members that you know work in my teams and things is you know they're like oh you know I'm tired or whatever, and people describe me as an energizer bunny. Like I am able to just you know get keep going and do things and it is having a very consistent lifestyle. So like in the mornings, like I get up, I go to the gym every day, I have breakfast, I take that time, I read the newspaper and then I'm ready to go. Um, And I go to bed and sometimes I miss out on stuff. Like, you know, my sister's like, I think you miss out on all the goss because you leave so early, you know? (laughs) So even if I'm out, I leave because I'm tired by then. It's not because I want to miss out on the goss or the fun part. I'm generally home before midnight no matter what what is going on that that evening whether like for example on the weekend it was Mardi Gras as you know um but you know a lot was going on but I still went home and and that means on Sunday that I can still do work and things because if I don't then it really does mess up the week given the volume of work that I'm doing at the moment so yeah it's that you know you have to have some sort of boundary (laughs) yeah routine
0: and boundary yeah Yeah. absolutely I agree. Question number five, what's been your worst money mistake and how much did it cost you?
1: Oh, <sighs> Do you know what? Okay, so I'm single and I live in a five-bedroom house, right, on my own. It's lovely. And I kind of bought the house because I felt like I needed to buy something, post the Daily Editor that was like, oh, I've done something with my life. My life is so silly and then I listened to this like podcast eg- excerpt from Mark Boris and he's like Australians define themselves too much by their property and I'm like oh, yes <laughs> Daddy, you know. um and I I totally agreed with the sentiment um it's not like it's a waste of money but like I don't use it someone was I took a photo of my like my mum came in like my parents have keys to my house. I don't <laughs> But she um, came in one night and she was like, So you watch TV on your bed, on your <laughs> laptop, when you have three TV areas in your house. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, the TV is here for show. <laughs> one of them I've never turned on. Like, <laughs> so, You're like, This is it. The room is the best. Yeah, exactly. So I still operate like this is a two bedroom small house and I'm just not like using, utilizing it. I, one thing is though that now I can have friends and come and stay and things like that and that, and that is really nice to have that ability to host people and things like that. Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, that was dumb and, <laughs> yeah,
0: it, it's really dumb. Australians are really into the property, you know, having the house thing. It's less my vibe. I'm more like, I'm more like rent and have the freedom to move if I want to move overseas.
1: Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. And I do think people put a lot of pressure on themselves to do that, including myself, right? Like we got on this call and I was like, I must live in a house that where I can see dolphins from. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that'll change, but you know. I mean, we all want that.
0: (laughs) Question number six, last question. What is just a crazy story, good or bad from your entrepreneurial journey?
1: I guess it's like my level of dedication to like finding things. So again, people always want these shortcuts. Like, oh, you know, emails from people about how to find supplies. I'm like, dude, I don't know anything about like a, how to get a candle. Like it's not my my vertical. And if you are in the same industry as me, I can't help you. I can't help right. Sorry, generosity can only extend so far. But I've gone to the lengths of going to Jacksonville, Florida, to a supplier who wouldn't respond to my emails, um, oh my God. you know, because he was like this old man. He just wouldn't respond to my emails. I wanted to order stuff from him. And so I landed in, like, <laughs> Jacksonville, Florida, like this tiny American town. I got off the got off the plane and, you know, people were wearing greater, Make America Great Again trucker caps and stuff. And like my, my general manager was really scared. I was like, I'm just gonna stop here on the way to New York. It'll be fine. Like I'm just gonna go and see him because once he once I see him and I can secure the machinery, I will, I will put DHL labels and I'll get them sent back to the office. Like this is the level of like motivation that I have. So I went to his random factory in the back, you know, in the suburbs of Jacksonville knocked on his door and he was, and I was like, I'm Elise Tran, I've been emailing you. And he was like, oh my God, like <laughs> no one comes and sees me. He was actually really. He's like, why are you here? <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, don't you live in Australia? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. But I'm here. Can I please have some machines? And <laughs> oh, Hell yes. Did he
0: give you the machines?
1: Yeah. And he was like, well, these were actually on order for coach, but I will give you these because no one's ever come to see me before. No one's bothered to come and see me. And I, you know, take give me the time oh my god i love that and then i was like yes yes and then you know we went and had like i've never had because you know australians we go to america but we go to la miami new york like very few of us would go to like proper america where we we went to this diner where the drinks were like the size of half my torso you know the (laughs) plates of food oh my gosh (laughs) but it was worth oh it oh my
0: god I love that let's all operate on that level just go and get it done do whatever it takes to get it done yes. yeah oh my gosh I love that I've loved chatting with you I'm excited about all the things you're doing I'm excited to see what else you oh start Oh my god, no, do you want to share it. any
1: anything else you have in the, no, in the, the to jinx it. we can talk about it okay. later I'll send you it and then you'll be like oh amazing
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh elise thank you so much for taking the time i've loved this
2: selling a little
0: or a lot Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at slash work. slash work.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast.